This is a global original podcast. Hi and welcome to Confessions of a Modern Parent. The podcast where my husband Mark and I discuss the challenges, difficulties, frustrations and ultimately the joys of being parents and step-parents to four wonderful, talented, beautiful daughters aged between 25 and 12. And this week we're talking about a subject that you've talked a lot about in the past, but one can never really talk too much about. Yeah, because it just goes on forever and ever. Body image and being um, the parents of daughters, um, I, I, I worry hugely about m- my own issues and how that will have impacted on our girls. But of course, nowadays, we know the evidence is there that boys are coming pretty fast up behind well, the girls with this very similar worries. I agree. I think there's two two angles to this, as there always is with these conversations. There's the experiences of children, boys and girls, going through body image crises, issues, pressures. And then there's the very different roles you as a mum and me as, as a father have in their lives. And I have to say, I think this is probably one of those topics around the girls where I am, I'm at sea in every area with parenting, <laughs> four daughters, uh, and one goes with caution into all areas. Mm. But this, perhaps for me, is the most worrisome because I'm worried that the wrong phrase at the mm. wrong time mm-hmm. could be the trigger for a lifetime of woe. It's a minefield. Yeah. So, wow, this is... I've got an ache in my chest. Yeah, I think we both woke up this morning feeling really anxious about this one because, Mm -hmm. oh, God, body image, self-image, all of that stuff is just such a minefield, a minefield. And this conversation is going to be... We're going to go everywhere with this one, aren't we? Because... um, for years, really, the only people that we thought we needed to worry about this with was 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 girls. Well, but yes, actually, yeah. actually, as we know, the increase is massive um, for boys and their and, and their issues around. Well, in terms of body image, physicality, yeah. how good they look, vanity. Yeah. Yeah. Looking, I mean, I'm still recovering from the fact that I read recently that middle-aged men are using uh, concealer to uh, hide the woes of Christmas, mm. and in a weird way. It, just the fact that we're in an age where we talk about men wearing makeup, I mean, it shouldn't be a thing. And I'm beginning to worry that in a sort of woke fashion, I'm saying something really unwoke. Mm. Um, and that's because I've only just woken up. <laughs> um, but do you know what I mean? It's, it's like there's so many bits and bobs to this, there's so many facets. It's almost like with every year that goes by as a parent, the whole issue and subject of body image. And how one looks becomes more and more complicated. Morphs and morphs. No, but it gets more complicated. Oh. But in that exponential way, yeah. like a fracturing, almost sort of diamond with facet, it becomes more and more complicated, more and more complicated. And it's like a growing virus. It's terrible. And I think what we tend to do is, and I know we're going to listen later to what Maddie has to say on this and our friend Carlitos. And, and I've got, I've got, I've, I, I'm anxious about what I'm going to hear because I yeah. think. I would say for the last year or so, I've buried all thoughts about this because I, 
the the year before, I was so consumed. Obviously, in my job, we talk a lot about this. You know, yeah. I've had my own journey through um, uh, body image and and all of that. So, I I think about a year ago, I folded in and just stopped talking about it at all with Maddie or saying anything well, can I, because I've, it feels so impossible. It feels so huge, insurmountable, insurmountable. Because we know that they're being fed so much bullshit. Um, and yet, I would say that in some of the conversations I've already had with Maddie, and as you say, we'll listen to her later, um, it's not solely about social media. No. And I do think that there is a bit of a mistake here that we tend to think, as parents and as a culture, that if you hold social media up as the sort of big baddie villain in all of this, promoting an unrealistic perfection and unrealistic mm. goals, mm. that that's the source of all of our problems. And in fact, actually, I would go so far as to say, I think social media really is only a reflection mm. of everything we are. Well, I would totally agree. I think, to it, like everything else, it starts in the home. Yeah. And I have enormous guilt because, I mean, I'm in a very different place at 55 to where I was most of my life. Right. Most of my life, without any social media whatsoever, I have been well and truly fucked up, re my body image. I wonder what you're going to say there. Um, and I, before mm. I had consciousness of that, I was, Maddie was a small child growing up around my uh, obsession and my fear of, your behaviour. My behaviours, yeah. yeah. Looking in the mirror, turning away. I mean, my mum still says to me, if I say to my mum, oh, mum, you look lovely. She goes, don't be ridiculous, I look awful. That's what I grew up with. Yes. That's what I... And my mum, my mum's a war baby. So maybe if we... I think it always works quite well with these conversations if we go back well, to, I was just ours, about to ask ourselves you, as a child. Well, I was just about to ask you, I mean, let's, let's assume and it, it's an absolute fact that the pressures are becoming more balanced and equal between the two sexes, you know, mm. between boys and between girls. Mm. Um, but let's assume that, for the sake of argument, it, the pressures sit more readily with women and have done yeah. for a longer period of time in history. When do you feel you first became fully aware of body image as separate to you being sort of a child, if you know what I mean? Was it at a point of sexual awakening or your body changing or was it other people's descriptions of you? I mean, is there a point where you... Because I was cast in my mind back and as a boy, I can't really, I can't really find a moment. Uh, it's, a, it's a good question and it's extraordinarily complex because yeah, I grew up in... Um, you know, mixed heritage. So I had, on the one side, I had my mum, who's a real foodie and has no real food issues. She has some body image issues, but she sure. has no food issues. And then on my Arabic side of the family, all love is given by food. So they would really feed you up. But at the same, from a very young age, I remember people saying to me, be careful because soon you will start to put on weight. Right. So that's the earliest memory I have of that soon you will put on weight. And I was like, so right. this was written in the... You know, this was for sure. This was what was going to happen. In your family's case, quite literally <laughs> written in the sand. Yeah, written in the sand. Um, the first time I can remember being really, really embarrassed about my body, and I have a real issue with this with schools, was, I don't, I don't know if they still do it, was PE and it was primary school. Right. And I had my... I started my period very early. I think I was about nine. So I had boobs very young. Right. And, oh, my God, sorry, I'm suddenly taken by... Oh, sweetie. 
Oh. So again, sorry, putting myself. And you know, I'm going to laugh now because we had to wear these horrendous big knickers. You know, right. these, I'm talking about just knickers, right? Well, like the just pair you knickers. still wear. <laughs> a bit like that, but much thicker. Knickers and a T-shirt, a singlet T-shirt. Right. So I've got big boobs and I've got a totally curvy body. I mean, when I look back on it, I had probably a movie star body, sure. if I'm honest. My yeah. figure was amazing. But all my figure was to me was horrific. Mm. Horrific. So, And because I'd grown quite quickly, I had stretch marks on my legs. Right. So I... From that age, I just got this from somewhere, just this. Because people would say, oh, my God, look, what's that on your, on your... Because my boobs had grown very quickly and on my hips. I wasn't fat, but I'd suddenly gone curvy. So I had, like, mm. you know, it looked like I'd been clawed with by a lion. That's what it looked like. Oh, or by a cat. That's one. <sighs> I'd reach over and hug you, but I know I'd smash the to, microphones all over the place. I don't want to be hugged. Oh, sweetheart. I just want to pull myself together okay. so I can speak. Um, so, yeah, so, so that's what it felt like. And so that is my first memory of being ashamed of my body. Hmm. Because I and I wasn't a child that was bullied at school, and by no way was this like, what's that? You're disgusting. But it was a comment, and mm. I was embarrassed, and I was humiliated. Right. And then you have to go out to pee, and you have to climb a rope, mm. and I didn't want to climb a rope. And you know, people talk a lot about why do girls give up sport? We have a huge problem in this in this country of girls. Going, you know, don't make them. Do PE in their pants and right. a T-shirt without a bra on because it's so humiliating. Yeah, there is always a process or a part of it that is about humiliating and, th- and there's an argument that that's part of it. I, don't, I, I agree. I think that's an unnecessary so, detail. Yeah, so I was. I felt very humiliated. Mm. I, I was... When I look back, at the time, I felt like a huge lump, but when I look back and when I look back at photos, I was actually very, very pretty. I had a, I had a 36... 23, 36 figure. Yeah. You know, I mean, these are the figures that people aspire to. Mm. To me, I was a big lump. Well, That's we... all that I felt. And I used to I used to walk to school and it would be the whole time, wolf whistles, oh, da-da-da-da-da. And I felt, I just always felt exposed. So mm. I started to hate this body that I was in. Right. And what had been written to me, what had been told to me, was that I was going to get fat. So I had these boobs, I had these hips, and now I was fat. I mean, actually, now with the Kardashian bums and everybody wanting that, it would have been a very different thing if I'd been born. Well, uh, yeah, you know? I mean, I've heard you and Dina, your elder sister, talking about the idea that, you know, back there, if, if the... Kardashian values were around back then. We would have been You'd have superstars. both been superstars, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting you should say that because whenever we've looked at family photographs when you were younger and, you know, they come up because, you know, people have asked to see them or whatever, the girls want to look at them, um, you always talk about really movingly how you can see an image of yourself and you look beautiful and you yeah. look gorgeous and you look young and how you felt at that time you weren't good enough and you weren't perfect enough or you were too this or you were too that. But then you start to see the photos where I'm looking really bloated and I'm looking fat. And that is because that's where it all started for me, that self-loathing and then uh, then overeating and all all of that, which I've talked a lot about in the past. I don't need to go into that too much. But the point that I want to make is 
I wasn't taking photos of myself all day. There wasn't any social right. media. There was none of the things that we worry about mm. with our children. Yes, I think it kicks it to the back of the net. Um, but, you know, when we talk about, oh, you know, kids, poor kids, they're constantly taking photos of themselves. And uh, and I think that's a massive problem. But I, too, when we talk about, you know, the halcyon perfect day, I, too, used to go to the park all day and not take a photo and not look in the mirror. But I still had total body issues everywhere you know i remember my big thing was brooke shields all i wanted to do was look like my big thing too (laughs) oh my god i had the worst girl crush on her and because i didn't look like brooke shields and because i couldn't swim naked and my boobs would just stay where they were rather than jumping about and hers really did stay where they were didn't they well she her hair would stay over her remarkable so you know even I think it's just human nature yeah. that we will, whether you have five million images to compare yourself to or you have one or two, mine was Farrah Fawcett, mine was Brooke Shields, mine were these people. I held people up against myself mm. and went, I'm not as good as them, therefore I'm nothing. <laughs> I think as a parent, it's interesting because that parallel between you and how you view photographs and f- pictures of yourself from your past, I go through the, I mean, I'm princ- the principal ph- photographer, if you like, family photographs in our family. And I think family photos are a big thing in this because really family photos were pre-social media. And so our generations look to those to see what we were like and all that kind of stuff. And it's how mm-hmm. families often promote themselves, isn't it? Look at this photo of us all here and, you know, well-meaning grandparents. Go, God, you, I mean, mine now, for example, in my family, as a boy, as I just said, I had no self-awareness of my body whatsoever. And yet, and yet, and, uh, you know, I'm going to be curious to hear from Kalitos later. I started bodybuilding using weights at the age of, I must have been about 13. And I, the story runs that I stunted my growth. I had stretch marks on my back because I was, I I became addicted to kind of weightlifting. I became very physical. I I wanted to get muscular. I wanted to be muscly. Now, I could argue, where was that coming from? When I look Mm. back at that time, I can't work out if that's just another extension. Well, I can know. (laughs) I can't work out if that was an extension of my addictive personality. What was I escaping? I was definitely trying to escape something. And then when I started to interrogate, well, how does it work for boys? How did it used to work for boys when I was a kid? I had none of that. You know, I certainly didn't have anyone saying, watch your weight. I was naturally thin. I could eat as much as I wanted. Classic line, he's a growing boy and all that kind of stuff. But where there was a physical component amongst boys in my peer group, unfortunately, was around really stupid infantile things like how long's your dick and stuff like that. And that was a major thing. I remember in the swimming baths, around sport, it would be a moment where everyone would get them out and sort of run around. And I never liked being part of that sort of Did thing. They? Yeah, Is that and, what boys do? Yeah, and it they was get a, them out. And yeah, and they, they would sort of put them into strange configurations and can you do this with it and I can lift no. it. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know... Now, I'm not saying that necessarily was the case for everyone, but but what I'm trying to say is, that we're t- what are we looking at now? Mid-70s. We weren't thinking about our abs. We weren't no. thinking about our faces. We weren't thinking abs about... fairly new. We weren't thinking about our hair. We weren't thinking about... We just weren't thinking. Stuff was done to you as boys. You had a bowl put on your hair. <laughs> you had your hair cut. You went out. We naturally ran around. We were kind of probably naturally alive. There were friends of mine who were slightly bigger than others. But my so-called fat friends, they didn't have an issue about being bigger than me. We were just a group of friends. Do you know what I mean? I never judged a friend because they were, they were a different size. Mm. And so I think for boys... 
it's re- it's almost like there's been an equalizing or a, a, an increasing equalizing of the pressures. And I wonder how much of that comes from not necessarily social media, but a really corporate culture where we're being sold stuff all the time and people are constantly looking for different ways for us to feel insufficient about ourselves so that we buy more to try and make ourselves feel better. Do you? Uh, yeah, I mean, as you're sitting here talking, uh, like everything, all the suggestions I would say yes to, all the yeah. suggestions to why we are the way we are, I would say, I think it is, I think there are a million different things that get us to this cracked, cracked, cracked place. Yeah. I was just reminded actually there about um, when I was about 15, 16, something like that, I went to America. I, I travelled on my own for a year and I went to the Middle East and I went to America mm. and, and I was out of the gaze of my mum and home-cooked food and all of this. Anyway, I put some weight on and um, I met them at the... Uh, I met my mum at the airport and they tell me this story afterwards and apparently they were all just horrified mm. at what I looked like. And my mum gave my sister's boyfriend, Rudy, the task to get a photograph of me looking as fat Oh, my God. Because she didn't know how to tell me that I'd put on weight. Wow. And then I was to just see it when we looked at the holiday photos, right? So, um, you know, this this isn't enough. My mum was a lovely mum. This wasn't enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was just like... This oh, was a strategy. Yeah, this was a, a genuine strategy, strategy to help. We, this, they all talked about <laughs> it. How do we let her know that she's put on weight? Because right. we hear a lot of times. In, in the past, it's been a photo that's helped me lose weight. I've gone, oh, yeah. my God, I didn't realise. And so, she said, you know, they were all like, she doesn't really realise, so we need to get this photo. So we came back from this this holiday, my year away, and I'm flicking through all the photos, and then there... Mm. Oh, my sister's boyfriend had done a good job. Right. He'd got a shot just from my bra to my pants. Right. And I'd been leaning over to one side in these three rolls of fat. Yes. Okay. So I saw this. I was horrified to lose weight. All my life, I have thought about that photograph and right. that hideousness and when I was so hideous wow. and when I was so fat and when I was... God. Do you know what? Not so long ago, a few years ago, I came across that photo. Right. Guess what? What? It was just three tiny rolls of fat. It's not the one of you eating chicken. No, no, that one I was really fat. Oh no, no, it was, it was, it like now I'm the lump that's sitting on my leg is five times the size of the lump that I'm. Right. But it's funny, isn't it? That haunted me all my life. That picture, that, and I was really embarrassed that I'd been caught Mm. without being aware. Now, so I mean, we joke about this all the time, me and my friends, and at work, um, that and and and. And, and my friends know this from years ago that I never took my sarong off. I would get, I would, I'd get really hot, and I would say, "Right, I need to go for a swim. I'm so hot, but I can't take my sarong off." And so my friends would have to pretend that they'd pushed me in so I could fall into mm. the wet. So the amount of shame and guilt that came from that photograph that had been done with the mm. best of intentions because they were worried because I was overeating. I definitely put on, I probably put on a stone. The power of that. Sure. So when we are cradling our children and trying to rescue and trying to hopefully stop them from going through this, you've got no idea what can be the thing. Oh, absolutely. Whether it's whether it's the advertising, whether it's the peer pressure. Oh. We we and that's what scares me. It's a massive box of cats that's running all over the place. And where that photo, that PE session, that now people that you know, listener might be listening and thinking, what? How shallow? To let something like that affect you. But I'm sorry, whether it's shallow or not, 
these things have had an effect on me. I don't, I, I don't All sandwiched you, together. Yeah. I don't think you can ever describe anything as shallow. So if anyone was to say that was shallow, then they, they clearly haven't thought about themselves. So let's just chuck them, in the, let's chuck them in the deep end rather than the shallow end and hope they struggle to survive. Um, <laughs> You're being too protective. No, 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 no. I'm not being protective. I suppose, I suppose what I'm touching on there is my shame and guilt hmm. at having these feelings about body image as my shame and guilt about it because I do like I've said this before and I said if I could take all the times in my life that I've wasted thinking about this yeah. I could have probably found the bloody cure for cancer if I put it no, into absolutely. something and this is what I find so frustrating personally and so frightening as a mother because I can't have all of this in me and it not to have touched our girls <laughs> It draws us to the to the detail of how do we conduct ourselves around our children when they're going through what we can really see as their own crises, whether it be about their skin, about their weight, or about photos. And an interesting area that I've encountered it is, as a dad of four, father to four daughters, it's incredibly difficult for me most of the time to know the right language to use around... Mm any crisis that they're going through. More often than not, because I know it's a crisis they never want me to know they are, they're having. So they're gonna, there's a process of concealment because there's shame around feeling anything negative about their body image. They don't want to think, I think they're shallow, not that I would, for thinking about this stuff. They'll think, Dad will think, that's, that's ridiculous, I shouldn't be Actually, worrying about this. I think that's a very good point you make now because though we have all this awareness yeah. about body shaming and all of that, I think that there, there is, there's an offshoot of that that's quite dangerous in that nobody can really say that they're ashamed of their body because yeah, self -shaming. we're all empowered now. Self-shaming. Yeah, we're yeah. all confident now. I agree. You've got to love yourself and, and, yeah. and not what not care what you're like on the outside yeah. and I think that's interesting that as a point actually have they been muted I totally agree and it was a conversation we were having the other day with someone about mental health awareness it's like we we use these we bandy these phrases around we're aware of it we're aware yeah. of it and within that awareness is a huge pressure to not actually have the problem. The feeling. Or the feeling. Yeah. And so uh, I would say that, you know, and it would be good to listen to Maddie and it would be interesting to listen to Carlitos too, I would say that the, one of the biggest difficulties I have as a parent to four daughters is knowing how to advise, help, be a, be a listening ear to them in times of crisis around this. Is there a role for a dad? I mean, I often, if I'm honest, think I have to always sort of slink into the shadows and let mum swell forward. And yet I think, no, I want a more purposeful mm. role in this. I feel very, I actually feel very helpless around issues around body image in the girls. Well, I, I, I don't think there's a parent that doesn't feel the same way, to be honest. But I think we have to, we are both very honest and we are both on, the spectrum is broad, but I have definitely been body dysmorphic through my life. I mean, listen to what I just explained there mm. at the beginning. That's mm. dysmorphia. I can look back at photos and I was a, I was a pretty curvy girl. But in my head, um, but in my head, I was, I was, I was totally messed up about that. It was warped mm. thinking, totally warped. I'm walking along, my boobs are this, mm. my stomach's this, my legs are this. My That's dysmorphia. Yeah. I, there was no name for it when I was a kid. You will look... Well, you sit there, a, a great-looking man <laughs> who all the time people say to me, oh, your husband's so good-looking. I never, 
ever see you one day without you saying that you hate the way you look. But interestingly, my dysmorphia and issues around body image are getting worse as I get older. Yeah, and it's not just about worse. it's not just about getting old. I think it's as time moves on and live, life is different. I am. I do have an awareness, so I do think shitting hell. How can I help meaningfully my daughters? You know, it's. You know, I take every now and then I'll post a photo without thinking about it just because it's a nice family photo on our Instagram, on my personal Instagram account. And I'll sometimes get a message. It's happened twice, only twice, because I'm very careful to check with them if they're happy with the image. But on two occasions, both Kiki and Maddie have come through to me saying, pull it down. And I worry that in that photo, I've done what you felt with that yeah. photo that Rudy took or your, your ex boy, yeah. you know, sister's ex boyfriend took of you. It's amazing what can be a trigger for these yeah. things. And those triggers, we will never necessarily know as parents. Yeah. And I think that's the heartache of being a parent is never, ever getting to the, the truth or the source. And then, yet there's never really one source. We are an amalgamation of complete fuck ups. I mean, I'm a fucking mess when it comes to body issues, an absolute mess. I mean, I yo yo, I, my relationship with food is fucked. And yet, at the same time, I'm trying to stand there and pretend I can give some kind of consistency or coherence to these kids. Mm, I think, I think, I mean, I, I am in so much better place than I've been my whole life. You know, over the last five years, I, I you know, I mean, my God, on Instagram, I posted a near naked photo. I've done, I've been on Instagram in my bra and my back, and I feel liberated. I really do feel so, so different. And I weep inside because I don't want my girls to go through this. And yet, is it just a rite of passage? Are so many of us, not everybody, because loads of people that aren't messed up about their bodies, and please listen, I don't want you to think that we think everybody is, but a, but a very large majority of people are. And I... I fear that our girls are going to have to go through what I went through and I'm a bit and I'm through the other side and what I see you going through and it hurts me to watch you hating on yourself so much in your own body image because you know you're gorgeous. Well, I have to. But I, I know have to also say, no. That doesn't mean anything because well, if you're in a dysmorphic state, it all falls on deaf ears. Well, I have to say, let, before we hear from Maddie and Carlitos, I think probably one of the most empowering moments of my life was when I dressed in a bikini and stood on our veranda. Not. <laughs> I think you need to explain that a bit no, more. I think we just leave it, leave it, leave it hanging. <laughs> yeah, Do you know what we were talking said. about earlier today, which really. It really upset me, actually, on the way in in a different way. But we were talking about fears around them taking drugs and drinking too much and all that, which is going to happen. Uh, sorry if I get upset. Um, you know, I, I make a huge virtue of sharing with the girls that I've survived addiction. And then this morning, it really struck me that I thought fucking hell is the only way to be the most sort of meaningful um, show of caution was to have actually relapsed, failed or died for them to get the message that you don't do it. Mm, I, it's like I'm... it's almost like having survived and shown that you can be all right with it. There's a danger that you say to them, do it. You can do it and you'll get through the other side. And sometimes I feel this sort of fucking hell. You know, we talked about it in that one. We talked about alcoholism. It, obviously, it's not the right solution, but there are times where you just sit there thinking, fucking hell, what, there is no right route. There is no right, right route as a parent. There is no right route to get your kid through this fucking minefield. There is no, there is, there are no guarantees. There is no book. <sighs> there are no rules. And I think, I mean, we'll carry, we'll keep this into the podcast. We actually did come out of it there, but I think we should just keep this in because I think this is the nub of it. This is the frustration of it, mm. is that we want to 
we want to distract them from the pain. We want to we want to give them a route away from what we've gone through, mm. and we can't. We can only just. We don't fucking know what to do. We're adult children struggling, struggling to to, to help them, and all we can do is just love them and be open to hearing whatever's going on with them, but we can't guarantee they don't go through the same pain we have. We just can't do it. It's like having the most precious, most precious, precious cargo in the world that you want to protect and look after, and then you actively have to, say, face everything I did, and just, it's a lottery. It's an absolute lottery, because if you survive what you've gone through, and then you invite them, and and you're essentially, by giving them life, inviting them to go through the same choices, the same struggles, the same hurdles... You're basically saying it's a lot. It's like it's a con. At times, it feels like parenting is a total con. You lie to them. You lie to children when they're kids about everything, and then when they get older, you lie to them about the fact that there's any fucking sense to this life. It, I mean, you know, what we are involved with is a massive yeah. deceit, a mass deceit. This is a this is a systematic conspiracy to say to all our children, of course, it's going to be fine. Whether it be go through university to then not get a job, learn this trade for their not to be a trade you know it, it, you know at times as a parent you just feel like you are actually conning the most valuable precious people in your lives and so you feel like you're being unfaithful sorry kids sorry. what he says is true <laughs> <sighs> okay so shall we have a have a little listen to maddie here about mm-hmm. body image so i think that body image um I, I'm a firm believer in that I don't think that body image, you know, when people have problems with their body or when people are insecure about their bodies, um, I don't believe that it just comes from social media. I mean, people have been having problems with their weight and the way they see themselves since forever, you know, way before social media. But obviously social media doesn't help. Um, I think it definitely increases people's, you know, weight issues and problems with their body image. But I don't think it's the sole problem. Um, I know I definitely find that when I see people on social media, where people with their bodies looking very perfect and, like, desirable, I've kind of taught myself... I used to be really bad at it, but I've kind of taught myself to be more like, okay, well, maybe that's a lie, you know, it's very easy. You know, a photograph's just a photograph, you know. It's a good angle, you know, they've probably edited it. I feel more insecure when I'm, like, around friends or people I know and they're perfect because it's more real, like, because then I can, I, like, compare myself to them in real life and it's more like, okay, they have this, I don't have that, da-da-da-da. And there's no kind of denying the fact that they have, like, the desirable body, if you know what I mean. Um... But, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think subconsciously social media will always have an effect on people, uh, people's... and the way people see themselves and everything. Um, I also think that it can come from parents. I mean, in our house we talk a lot about what foods we're eating. Well, Mum talks a lot about what foods we're eating and exercise, and I know that... uh, think he don't exercise enough and we could eat a lot healthier but you know it's kind of that thing if if it's spoken about a lot it makes you very conscious of what you're eating and 
um, what you're what you're putting your body through, I guess. So, I I am I'm someone that's very conscious of my body like, all the time. Like, um, the relationship I have with my body is probably one of the most toxic relationships I've ever had. Because um, uh, I'm yeah I'm very horrible about myself when it comes to my body, but at the same time. I don't know a single person my age that isn't, even if they seem like they're very comfortable in their body. A lot of people would probably see me and say that I seem like a very confident person on my social media and in person, but I'm really not. People that know me really well will know that I'm, like, so insecure. Um, and that hasn't just come from social media. Most of that has come from people that I actually know, and I've just compared myself to friends and all of that. Um... But, yeah, I think it's never right to just blame one thing for something, you know. People have been struggling with body image and weight since the beginning of time, so... And, you know, social media hasn't been around since the beginning of time. Um, but, yeah. As a dad, I mean, when I hear... When you hear your, your child or daughter sounding as vulnerable as she did just then... I literally want to go and to the nearest armament store, buy loads of weaponry, and blow my own brains out. <laughs> but she. Well, you know, God, that was so content rich. That you know, beautiful. You know, our beautiful, beautiful child mm. inside and out. Just the way she just talks from her heart like that, and. <sighs> You know, God, there's so much in that for mm. any parent listening to that. Now, how do we break all the things down? Okay, she, you know, my relationship with my body is the most toxic relationship I have since the beginning of time. Since I, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm crying. I'm not cry only crying for our daughter. I'm crying for me. I'm crying for women through the ages. You know, the confusion, the manipulation, the warped thinking, the waste of our energy, that beautiful child of it. Like I was talking earlier about how I was actually a beautiful young woman and I never knew it. You know, when she talked there about, because we'd asked her quite the specific question, hadn't we? Do you think that uh, social media impacts negatively on, on people of your generation's, you know, feelings about themselves? Um and actually, when she was talking there and saying, well, you know, uh, she's sensible. Mm. I know that there's lighting. I know that it's a fix. I know mm. that these people... I know. And Vivian Westwood said years ago, supermodels are paid millions of pounds because they are freaks of nature. It's not normal. But now with Instagram and everything, people can make themselves look like a supermodel. But actually what she said there, which is the nub of it all, and which is my, was my reality at exactly her age, she's with her friends and she compares herself. But I mean, I remember one... You know, I went to stage school, so I was in an unreal world there in that they, you know, these dancers and they all had these incredible bodies and I would go away for a weekend and I was, you know, when I look back, I was, you know, I was smart, you know, street smart. I was terrible at, at, at academia, but I was street smart. I was funny. I was, I was a great person to have around, you know, if I'm looking at myself objectively and I was pretty, no concept of that. I was laughing, I was joking, I was being this, I was being that, but inside I was thinking, when can I go home and just feel shit about myself because I'm around all these other people that mm. are perfect? And it's like, fuck, you know, you just feel such a failure as a parent when you... I know I have 
played a huge part in the way that she feels. And it's such a tightrope trying to negotiate how you are telling them to eat healthily and exercise. I mean, we don't say the word fat as many times as we think it about ourselves, both of us with our own dysmorphia in the house. You know, so I never say, don't eat this, it will make you fat. I'll say, eat this because it's healthy. You want to live a long life. But, you know, she's hearing that. She's hearing that and it's fucking her up about whatever. Well, because what she's saying is it it kind of puts, you're coming from all the right reasons of, of nutrition, of balanced diets, of what will make her feel better emotionally, mentally and everythingly. And yet it's a bit similar. What she's saying is as soon as she's reminded about food, she's reminded of her body in any way or capacity. Mm. But it's a little bit like as a, as a man and also as a father, the language we use is so important. And my only mm. word of advice <clears throat> out there to any man listening, and I don't know how many men do listen to this, uh, or fathers, is that you really, really, it is about not being PC, not being woke, not being overly kind of sensitive or navel-gazing or, what is it, snowflakey. It's critical. The the language you use as a man or as a father is critical. Now, that doesn't mean I've got it right all the time. I absolutely haven't. But I absolutely know that it's probably the one area of my parenting that before I say anything about anything to do with how they're looking or how they're... Mm. I will check, triple check, (coughs) quadruple check the terms of reference. Because, of course, I look at my girls, all four of them, and I only see four gorgeous daughters. But I'd imagine, is this the pressure? You have obviously haven't been the daughter and been close to your dad. I sometimes feel that they're only radiating and presenting a certain them to me. I only see a certain them. I see as in a weird way, there's a I sometimes worry they feel the pressure of their dad seeing the perfect daughter all the time. And it's the first I'm almost the first line. You you, you said yeah. the other day there's almost yeah. a bit of betrayal when you get your first girl yeah, your first boyfriend. first boyfriend. Like when you get upset and why they don't yeah. talk to you about that and, yeah. and, and that's another conversation that, that that's yeah, gonna but, be very yeah. interesting. But but yeah, there is you do you do you're a good dad is a barometer for so much of what you might experience yeah. with men in the outside world. And yeah. I remember say, somebody saying to me years ago, a child psychologist, that actually the, the, it's, it's important for the dad, even much more so than the mum, to say, oh, you know, that's a lovely top, or you're mm. looking great. or you're, I mean, there's a whole school of thought that says you should never mention how your daughter looks ever, mm. which, I, which I don't agree with. I mean, mm. there is, there is, there's, a real, there's, there's a real feminist belief that we... And I definitely do too much of it. Actually, this year I'm trying to stop myself when I meet my girlfriends. Yeah, the first a, thing saying to them, oh, you look good, oh, you look pretty, but, or you've lost weight, yeah. because the first thing that we do is talk about the way people look. We don't do that with but our it sons. Comes, it comes from a very kind place. Yeah, you're right. I mean, if, if, a, if a son came down... Down, you wouldn't say, oh, you're looking buff or you're looking yeah. fit. Although, to be honest with you, me, you know, men, I, mean, I you know, we met a friend at the weekend and the first thing he did after hugging me was going, God, you're you're feeling firm. So <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, I do but think... But it's it, not in the, to the no, no, same no, degree as, as, as girls but what should women. one do? Should one compliment at all? Should one comment at all if one's commenting only positively? Because then, if you say, oh, you look nice when you come down and they've just come down normally and you don't say it the next day, are they going to be thinking, why hasn't Dad said it today? It, well, these are the, this is the hell of being... That's every day is hell. It's like, I remember, I wish I could, I wish I could remember him but basically an article I read last year and this mother was had made the decision that she was never ever going to comment on her the way that her daughter looked she mm. had a daughter first and then she had a son she noticed the difference mm. they were saying what a pretty girl what a but they weren't saying it about the son and she she made she she made a very a very um um 
you know, clear decision that she was going to bring them up in exactly the same way as her son and her daughter. So she was giving examples like her daughter had come down, and I think her daughter was about eight, and her daughter had, was going to a school dance. She came downstairs and she said, oh, do I look nice, mummy? And she said, this was the kind of answer she would give, she'd say, well, you look, you look ready to dance. Oh, my God. Right, so... <laughs> Oh my, you are absolutely fucking so, no. joking. <laughs> You're ready to dance. Right, so the point being that everything... No, listen to me, because it, was, uh, it did put the fear of God into me. Was her husband Tarquin? No, no, but listen, listen, because I read this article on my own on the way into work, and by the time I got to work, I was sweating, panicking, going, oh, my God, this woman's right. You know, I would say our girls would come down for a disco for a school or something, and then we would say, oh, you look lovely. Oh, and have you done your hair? That looks great. Oh, and look, oh, no, yes, you look lovely. Look at look, your waist and all of this sort of stuff. So I got to work, and I was like, oh, my God, we've all been doing it wrong girls Jesus you know and everyone had read the article and they went well good luck with that once she's 13 14 15 it Rick. might work up until 8 so it confused me massively that you know what I'm like I've got mum guilt every bloody confused. day <laughs> well no, no I think joking, what I am is I'm always you know and I'll probably end up saying this in every one of these conversations I thought I was going to be like such a natural mum. I you thought are. I was going to be you such are. an earth mother. I thought I was going to find it all so easy. And I don't. Everything that comes up, I've got 30 questions in my head about what's the right way to do yeah, it. Yeah, but the very fact that you hang on, the very fact that you have 30 questions, <laughs> many mothers and fathers don't. And the fact that you do, you are constantly questioning how you could be a better mum, where you've gone wrong and all this kind yeah, of stuff. Of course we get it wrong. Of course it's, it's fucking like exhausting. It's, and it's confusing. In fact, I'm getting out of here. I'm not fucking adding up. <laughs> Stop swearing. It's Stop awful. It. Stop it's swearing. Awful. Stop swearing. It's awful. Parenting is awful. It's a fact. Don't do it, kids. <laughs> Don't have children. I mean, a friend of mine the other day who I met up with, he's got a, a, a three-month-old or a six-month-old and he was looking stressed and he was exhausted. I said, I believe me. I said, believe me. I thought once you hit 16, I said, certainly once you hit 18, 19, 20, it got a whole lot better. Nah. I said, 20, 21, 22 is an effing nightmare. I mean, this Confessions of a Modern Parent could run until we're 96. <laughs> it's going to get worse well, and worse and as, worse. For as long as you have your children, it You're continues. You know, it's the same. My parents, who yeah. live next door to us, would say the same. Say the same. Well, should we get a boy's perspective on this? Should we listen to Carlitos? Yeah, yeah but I do think that that's quite an interesting conversation that maybe we should have again in, mm. in great detail. Which? About... When do you compliment your children and when do you not? Absolutely. We've brought them up complimenting them all the time. Yeah. Did it work? Well, I'm a big believer. I mean, if you tell your child that every work of art they do is good and then wonder why their art is shit, you have to start asking questions. Not mm. everything your children does is good just because it's your child. Mm. Let's get a boy's perspective on this. We have absolutely yes, no idea what Carlitos... In a household of girls, dear, I never hear any boys. Our dear friend uh, Carlitos, he is the son of my very, very dear friend Lisa. Lisa is one of those friends that I really can tell her anything about our children and she never, ever judges. And it's a great... It's a great it's a great thing that to be able to share that and and we really are Colitos 
if you're listening, thank you for doing this for us because it's a great. You're a great surrogate son for us to get to get the boys' perspective. Can I just quickly say, if anything catastrophic ever happened to you, and if Lisa's car, <laughs> Why do you Lisa's, to... and if Lisa's car would allow it, I'd marry her. <laughs> so just just putting that. Okay. Out there. All right. Here we go. I have struggled with my body image in the past. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm skinny, and I always have been skinny, and I've. But I've always been told that I'm skinny um, at school or uh, events or anything like that. I've, there's jokes made, being made saying, oh, you need to put some meat on your bones. Um, and I, I just laugh it off and stuff, but I, I don't like it. And um, it would happen constantly. And I got it got to the point where I started to wear baggy clothes so that no one could kind of make those jokes anymore. But I've now accepted what my body wants to be and I'm happy with that. So I can wear whatever I want, pretty much. Um, and I was picked on for being tall and slim, and but I never had the confidence to say anything or retaliate. Um, and so I let it hurt my feelings and it, it made me feel really uncomfortable in my own skin and it shook um, my foundations. Uh, it hurt my feelings because I'd never, never experienced anything, anything like that before. Um, and even today, between girls and boys, there's a massive, massive pressure um, but, um, when it comes to body image. I think teen boys tend to talk less about it, though. Um, women, especially on social media, are coming out and embracing their skin, embracing who they are. But I think boys still have more expectations of being fit for partners when in reality neither don't have to be a certain type or fit into any specific category. Um, I think social media is the hugest influence, but I think it has its positive sides and its negative sides. Um, the negative side is people could look at a photo and say, oh, I don't look like that. Should I look like that? Or I want to copy that celebrity, um, and it's I think it's making people like question themselves and their own life. Um, but I think the beauty of social media is it's really diverse, and there's so many people on there, and there's so many people in powerful positions who are like embracing their skin and encouraging others to do the same, which I think is really amazing. Wow. Oh, wow. Really good perspective. I loved that perspective. Mm. Isn't that interesting? You see, because there is this increase now... See, that's fascinating, isn't it? Because Maddie's talking about, since the beginning of time, the patriarchy. Mm -hmm. This is what's influenced us. Whereas, because we know this is relatively new, that... that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confess something now. Colitos aside, all young boys aside, because of course we don't want them going through the pain and agony of this. But maybe this is what's going to bring about change, because when we can also from the when the male perspective is there saying, "Listen, I'm being put under pressure here. I'm being put under pressure, and this is a very new thing. This is a very modern thing. Maybe this will bring more um, valuable change." 
Or, change. Or, well, you can look at it half full. I'm or, trying to look at it half full. Or it just multiplies the problem. Oh. You see, as I was listening to him talk then, it's so refreshing to hear him talk. I was a skinny rake as a teenage boy, and I therefore I had no consideration. And I worked out, and I got muscle-bound, and I, and I looked good. I looked buff. I was, but, were you, but, were you, but were you aware of abs and stuff? Did you know you were skinny? No, Did my point was there was skinny? no social emphasis on right. that. I was unusual for the fact that I was fit, and I, as my girlfriend at the time would say, show us your muscle and all that kind of stuff. So that was weird. I know, it was really strange. Show us, they look like little apples, don't they, she'd say, and I'd be really insulted. But I do know that as I've got older, my body dysmorphia has got worse as I've got older, as I've, through age, necessarily parted from that, per, what I considered to be a perfect body when I was 16, 17. So you did have a And when I look at stuff like Love Island now, and I look at the guys mm. on it, there's a massive promotion and projection of a certain male body that is the ideal male body. And if I was a... If, I, I know for a fact that if Love Island, more than social media, but if there were a lot of kind of images like those guys in Love Island sort of swishing around, I'd have really struggled. Yeah. I'd have really struggled. And my mania, which it already was as a teenager would have gone through the roof to try to try and stay there. So I think the pressures, you know, you're not you know, Carlitos isn't a gym bunny. He's a good looking, slim, svelte, mm. classy kid. Um, you know, but I think I don't know how you'd feel if you weren't that. Do you know what I mean? I mean I think you know Well the, he's the, saying that he feels that. Yeah. You know, that he's skinny and that he was picked on for that and but he But isn't it funny how everyone's picked on for whatever they are? Whatever you are. This is what whatever I say to are. the girls. Whatever you've got, like I've got curly hair, all I ever wanted was straight hair yeah. when I was growing up. I used to iron it. They've got straight hair, all they want is curly hair. I said, Whatever yeah. you've got, you will want the opposite. Sorry, We've got one I, t- I, I, I just just whilst you're talking, carry on talking. We've got one tall child. I'm going to do some press ups. <laughs> He's now doing press ups as I, I speak. I feel like I need to make sure my pecs are really taut for when Chris comes in. Producer. Ah, oh, there you go. Hang on, I'm coming back. A couple of sit ups. That's done. the stress. Actually, as we're talking about body image, I'm feeling my stomach sitting yeah, no, on my head. I just felt legs. guilty. Yeah, the guilt. Yeah, just bringing it up. It's such a trigger to even talk well, about it. Really it really is. It's a real problem. But you know, um, yeah, we've got we've got one tall child and one. Well, she calls herself short, shorter child, and it is hilarious. So Kiki, who's twelve, is is almost the same height as Maddie, who's seventeen. She's almost the same height as Izzy, who's twenty six, and is going to, uh, um, you know, obviously be taller than her. And you've got Kiki, the taller one, saying, oh, "Don't give me those shoes; they make me look taller." I don't want. To. And you've got Maddie saying, "I'm so short." It's a, it is the most. It's the clearest and most obvious um, picture of mm. the insanity yeah. that we live with. The insanity. I said to Kiki the other day, we were walking along, I said, oh, God, look at you, you're so tall. She literally turned around, almost pinned me against a wall and said to me, like I've never heard Kiki, she's very gentle, she went, never, ever say tall again. Weird. It's like talking to bloody Guy Ritchie. But then if we say to Maddie, she's small, it's so messed oh, up. Total mess. It's so messed up. And it's up. all our fault. <sighs> As Maddie said since the beginning of time. 
Now, before we record each episode of our podcast, we ask you to get involved on social media. Hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to get in touch on our Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and Family. On Twitter, at Nadia Sawala. And if you're a little bit scared of Nadia and you're just <laughs> worried that she might tell you off, you could always come to lovely, cuddly old me at, <laughs> at, on Instagram at Mark underscore Adderley. A-double-D-E-R-L-E-Y. Okay, let's let's have a look at some of the comments that have come in. This no. is from Lisa, who's 22 from Birmingham, and she says, For a long time, I have felt unhappy with my own body. Mostly my issue is with my facial features. Recently, I've considered undergoing procedure to change my appearance, perhaps some small surgery or injections, which I believe will boost my confidence. I feel that my lack of confidence is having a really bad effect on my ability to socialise, have fun and feel at ease. I've had help for anxiety and depression before and I realised that how I feel about my appearance is linked to this. I now feel like maybe I have body dysmorphia and as much as I realise it, it doesn't affect my desire to change my appearance. In school, I was a shy child. Uh, I was an easy target for bullies as I didn't fight back and I think most of my problems started at this time. I learnt to hate myself a bit for not fighting back and then I got into a habit of hating things about myself. I have lots of supportive people around me who tell me I'm beautiful but it doesn't really mean anything to me. I still always feel I'm ugly. Whilst I get that I need to see a therapist to help me, I also really want to change my appearance. I really believe it will help with my confidence. What do you think? You know what I always say? I always say I am so relieved that there wasn't the internet when I Mm. was when I was growing up because if I'd known there was things like slimming pills and things like this that I could have got I would have definitely Mm. gone down that route and I think when you're coming from a and and, and that would have been disastrous totally disastrous Mm. I probably wouldn't even still be alive I think I am certainly not against procedures but I really 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 think it is probably the worst idea you could have when you are in an emotional place looking for a looking to fix a deeply emotional um problem mm. or anything that's even vaguely dysmorphic with that absolutely the best idea would be to see a therapist and to talk a properly qualified therapist and sort out those issues first definitely do not resort to um, procedures well, I, because I, I, that's just a road to hell. Yeah, I mean, it's easy enough to say just don't do A, B, C and D in a modern age, but, you know, the genie's been let out of the lamp, hasn't it, in so many areas there, like you say, with what, what's available, what you can do, you know, and the envelope has always been pushed slightly with what's, uh, what's sort of acceptable, in a mm. sense. I mean, you know... I would say about 10 years ago, Botox, there was always a bit of a raised eyebrow around, oh, you have well, Botox. Really. So really, no, <laughs> literally no raised eyebrow in many people's cases, or perennially raised eyebrows, perhaps. But, um, you know, back then, only five, 10 years ago, there would be a sort of, you know, oh, right, OK, really? Oh, right. Whereas now it's kind of de rigueur. It's like mm. it's an accepted mm. part of everyday well, kind Lisa of Well, Lisa here is 22. Yeah. You know, you start putting Botox in at 22, you're going to have real problems. Yeah. Uh, um, but I'm not totally anti- 
can't it? Like some people can have something that is like, I mean, I know somebody that had a nose. She'd always hated her nose. And to be fair, she did have a very big nose. Right. You know, it didn't bother me because I thought she was absolutely gorgeous. But this nose was just it was all she would think about. Anyway, she had a nose job and it really did change. Mm. Uh, and so, but I really, really believe that you have to have proper counselling before any of that because otherwise you fix this thing, then you want to fix another thing. I mm. I mean, I know people where they are fixing and fixing and fixing and fixing and they were very lovely looking and now they are a complete and now mess. Unfixed. So it is hugely. But I do think it's really important when talking to young people that you don't dismiss no. how bad that they feel and that you listen to them and, and give them support to find the best professionals to talk to. Well, I would say, having researched a documentary series about body dysmorphia, I would say that in many regards, body dysmorphia is the illness or the mental health illness of our age. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Insofar as it's only getting worse, Mm. it's only reaching across all age groups now. It's obviously more focused, as everything is, at your teenage years, because you're sexual awakening and all that kind of stuff. Um, But body dysmorphia, we are in a cult which is, as I said much earlier on, is designed to place a microscope over the insufficiencies in ourselves, whether it be the middle-aged man buying concealer at John Lewis to cover up the fact that he's drunk too much over Christmas, i.e. me, my age group. You know, every type of person, they're finding ways of making you feel like you need to cover up change and body dysmorphia is a major problem and sometimes it's a bit trite and I do worry sometimes that people, the only advice people get sometimes is see a therapist which is the right advice but there's right and wrong therapy and then really when you go to the therapist, you know cognitive behavioural therapy is one thing that we often suggest to a lot of people and it is about trying to rewire the Mm. brain into not thinking just negatively it's very useful, it's incredibly useful but when you're actually being hit with a tidal wave in the culture that you live in of mm. unfixing that and undoing that. Sometimes it feels like you're using your finger to, to mm. stem a dam. Mm. But it's still worth doing. Oh, you've got to much. do it. And it's the only advice one can give. I suppose all I'm saying is that when one says see a therapist, it can sometimes sound a bit empty, but it truly is the right thing mm. and the only thing you can do sometimes. Mm. What what I really like about cognitive behavioural therapy as well, you know, it's not this thing that goes on for years and years and years. It retrains oh, the, yeah. the, the yeah. paths you're on. Okay, uh, this is from Cathy, 32, Western Supermare. Yesterday I was at a pizza restaurant for my friend's child's birthday. It's a buffet-style restaurant, so you can help yourself to more at any time. I'm a plus-sized woman. I accept that I'm fat, and I have been for many years. I've tried diets, various exercises, gym retreats, boot camps, pretty much everything you can mention apart from surgery I've done. And then I decided that I should stop making myself unhappy trying to meet an unrealistic expectation of myself based on what I see on the TV and online and start loving myself. I'm not trying to become rake thin anymore. I just want to be healthy and happy. Anyway, at the pizza restaurant, one of my friends offered me a slice of pizza and as I began to eat it, she kept on going on about how fat she was as she'd had just three slices. She's probably around a size 10 and I'm around a size 18. Immediately I felt self-conscious and couldn't eat anymore. I started to think, everyone's going to see how fat you are if you eat that pizza. Everyone's going to think you're disgusting, you're too fat to eat that pizza. And then I spent the rest of the day obsessing about how fat and ugly I am. I think it's such a shame that even though you may be fit and healthy, being reinforced to look a certain way is still considered more important. Mm. Sorry, as I was reading that, I suddenly wanted pizza. Yeah. And I don't say that in a sort of dismissive way. way. But yeah, yeah, no, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> comfort. Comfort. 
Yeah, I mean, the thing is, you know, I, I, I at 50, yeah, at 55, um, at 55, I am <laughs> I'm trying to put this in a way that so much is sorted out with this, but I will never be free. And I think having acceptance that I will never be free, that I will never be fully emancipated from the chains of this thinking, there is some comfort in that. But I have found some sort of peace. Hmm. You know, this body is incredible. If I want to get up now and walk over to that door, it's going to walk over for me. If I want to pick up this pair of glasses but I'm just going to do that if I want to go over to Mark and give him a kiss I'm going to if I want to pick up a baby and hold that baby in, you know that is an incredible piece of kit and it has served me so well when I've treated it so so badly uh, so I can only talk to you in the way that I talk to myself and this is what I do this is how I found some peace um you know, I, this baby is born. This this body is born babies. It has. It's been there for me. Touch wood. It's never been terribly ill. I owe it to love it as much as I can. That's all I can do. Love it as much as I can. I'm never going to have full acceptance. I'm never going to be over the issues. I'm never going to be over the insecurities that were ingrained in me from a young child. But I've learned to accept them, and and that has been the key for me not to be in a constant battle and pushing it down and wishing it wasn't there when it pops up in my head like the other day you know we were all talking about going to the national televisions awards and I immediately went oh my god I don't want to go you know I'm going to go around the red, red carpet and I've got to wear a dress and I've got to and then I went oh hello that's that little thought coming into my head is it again hmm okay yeah you want to come do that to me for a bit but I am going to go and I am going to wear a dress and I'm going to be with my friends and it's a lot of it's going to be very boring some of it's going to be fun and that's the kind of mm. conversations that I now have mm. you know the other day I was I was sitting at work and, and I and I actually brought it up in the middle of the show I said you know I'm sitting here and I can feel my I can feel my stomach sitting on my thighs I said it I said it out loud and I said you know that's okay I really overate at Christmas and you know I might get it to reduce a bit I might not it's welcoming that voice mm. disempowers it a bit and then let it move past that that's that's all I can say to you because that's just what I do and you can always look at things in a sort of cup half full at least your stomach wasn't resting on someone else's lap yeah. I mean, you know exactly. what I mean? Um, yeah, it's funny as you're just talking about that. Although I am cr chronically body dysmorphic and I don't, I genuinely, genuinely am not self-aware if I'm sitting in public. So I feel for Cathy when she's saying that. I wouldn't sit uh, amongst a group of men and think twice about having too many pieces of pizza, do you know what I mean, necessarily mm -hmm. at that point. You don't feel the judgment. No, like I don't feel, no, it's interesting. I don't feel the judgment in situ. Mm -hmm. I, I feel the judgment afterwards. I'd feel the judgment at the gym. When, I'm, when I go to the gym or if I've been to the gym, I feel the judgment from everyone else in there mm -hmm. about you had a load of pizza last mm -hmm. week or what are you doing in your spare time? Just, 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 just let just the voice, your own voice, just let that be your, you know, how do you, did you over, did I overeat a bit today? Mm. Okay, well, I'm not going to starve myself tomorrow. I'm just going to have three healthy meals and two good snacks. You know, yeah. that, these are the conversations I have with myself all the time. And a vital final bit of information about this I was just thinking was um, I do think it's key and obviously I don't say this like I'm conscious or aware of it but I think the girls see us 
never being judgmental of each other's bodies. We're very supportive of each other. I mean, I suppose one thing you can do as a positive, as a parent, is in your relationship with your other half, certainly not body shame and certainly not be sort of... What's the word when you're a bit sort of caustic or telly-offy with someone about stuff? You get a lot of families where the couples are fighting. You eat too much, you're doing that. You know, they see me loving you, you might be down on yourself, but I don't see that, and they see me not seeing that. And I hope, somewhere, that goes in, that it's not the be-all and end-all. That's it for this episode of Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you'd like to comment on any of the topics we've discussed today, we'd love you to get in touch. Use the hashtag Confessions of a Modern Parent. If you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Nadia Sawala. And on Instagram, it's at Nadia Sawala and family. And if you fancy getting in touch with me, it's at Mark underscore Adderley. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate and review. Tell your friends and get involved. And you can hear more episodes of Confessions of a Modern Parent on Global Player or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Ta-da! <laughs>